Welcome into the Esports Network Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Correa. And on this show, we dissect, discuss, and really just talk about anything relating to esports, whether it's the people, the personalities, the teams, players, the corporate executives, the guys, the head honchos kind of making the moves, and here to kind of help discuss what he does on the other side of the uh, of the paper, of the of the uh, d- digital screen, if you will. Let's welcome in Sean Collins, esports reporter at large for the Dallas Morning News. Sean, of course, friend of the show, second time on the show. Uh, I think it's the fourth or third time we've met up uh, in the, uh, the, the digital space i'll say but sean you've covered esports in north in, in north texas for the dallas morning news for roughly the past as i'll say two years or so it's been two years already i you know it's january 2020 is when i started so we're we're getting pretty close there maybe 19 months something oh, like that gosh uh 20 months that, I, that i've been at the dallas morning news and you know a lot it it feels fast and when you when you talk about it like that but also you know the you know the heavy pandemic months, uh, you know, went by real slow. So it's it you know it's been a process. It wasn't anything like what we expected, and you know we had to change a lot of things. But it's still been enjoyable, and I think we've learned a lot. No, for sure, your, your coverage has expanded uh, while you've been at the Dallas Morning News. It's been great articles, great content you guys have been pull- putting out there, and obviously uh, great coverage in general. I just I love kind of uh, seeing you pop off on my feed somehow, some way. I'm just like strolling through Twitter, and all of a sudden I see, oh hey, Sean. Collins has like 36,000 retweets for some reason. What's this article about? And I just, gotta, I just have to kind of go check it out. But I, I always appreciate uh, seeing the local personalities get gassed up more than myself. It's always a good thing to see. And like you said, uh, I, I always say this on the show, right? It's kind of like all a rising tide lifts all ships. So for you, it's been a great year, I assume, so far besides the COVID stuff. And uh, let's hope for a better 2022, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've had we've seen a lot of growth in our in our coverage and you know, it's been nice to to gain a bunch of Twitter followers that are interested in in following the the Dallas Fuel and the Dallas Empire and and other North Texas esports and so that's been interesting uh to kind of chronicle as well as, you know, get to toss my personality in there as well. And you are a personality, that is for sure. If you haven't seen this guy's Twitter feed, it is chef's kiss perfect. It is, it's, it's a great feed. Follow him on uh, at Sean Z Collins. And of course, uh, you get to see things like him covering the COD Champs uh, event in LA, the biggest uh, like live premiere event in North America to date so far. Uh, how was that, by the way? How was covering that event? Uh, I'm sure there were people in the stands. You kind of probably didn't hang out too much in the crowd, I'm assuming, and kind of try to, uh, this is back, what, August, September when? COD champs took off so it was still kind of uh you know a little bit of covid protocols going on but how was covering that that kind of premiere event well i was i was a i was nervous at first about going to la and covid and and you know being in a stadium with a lot of people but cod champs handled it really well the call of duty league handled it super well they were pretty strict they're they're actually as strict as i've seen any sort of event be with this kind of thing so in order to get in you had to have either proof of vaccination or negative tests and you had to provide a negative test for each individual day that you're getting in um so like it, it was very it was quite safe in that regard and they they were getting on people that that had a mask below their nose or anything like that so i mean it was quite safe and uh once i kind of got past that it was very nice to actually cover something in person for esports for the first time in what felt like forever you know I, here and there i'd done you know a couple interviews at the envy headquarters but i hadn't done you know an actual call of duty event since gosh march of 2020 so like yeah. I, I went 
you know, basically 16 months without any sort of, you know, Call of Duty live coverage. So it was great to be able to to do that for for two different tournaments, both the major and then for champs. And um, it it was good to you know physically see the players and the talent and talk to them in person. I think that that's you just get better interactions, better better quotes. They seem to kind of understand what you're wanting to get at, and and they're more willing to talk to you when you know you can see each other face to face and. Uh, that that part was quite enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a different energy completely when it's face to face. It's it's something that you, you feed off each other during an interview. You feed off each other when you're at these pressers. It's completely different when there's a person there, like physically asking you questions versus either a, a virtual kind of comment sent in as a question or a a, a virtual face to face quote unquote face to face meet up there. But I'm glad exactly. that you got to enjoy it. Because uh, that's that's awesome. I'm sure a lot of stories uh, that you had to break or help break for Call of Duty this past year from oh, like the drama with Hook leaving the Empire, heading to LAT, uh, mm-hmm. the mental health and burnout issues from various veterans. I, I remember reading that, that Clayster article you posted, your excellent interview with him. Can you speak to uh, a certain standout story or plot line that came out of this past CDL season that kind of intrigued you or was just fun in general to cover? Uh, well, from a gameplay standpoint, it was definitely an Atlanta phase revenge season. They proved that they were the best team in the league by a standout margin. And um, other than them, I think the Toronto Ultra were the, were the second best team for, for honestly quite a wide margin as well in mm-hmm. terms of consistency. The Dallas Empire, their peak was really, really, really good and worthy of winning a championship. Uh, but they were just inconsistent. And, and we can see that, you know, sometimes if you remove a piece or if the game changes, something like that, not everything looks the exact same. Uh, the Empire weren't the same team without Clayster, and that's not to say that, you know, they would have automatically won a championship with Clayster. But when you remove one one piece of, of the puzzle, it changes the entire dynamic. And things didn't work out for the Empire with, with Kyler um, on the team, and they, they felt they needed to go a different direction. Vivid was was strong in a lot of ways, but, you know, also it seems like things weren't necessarily working out with Crim6, and, and that's not me, you know, dogging on him or anything. That was him himself. He even said it on his Twitch stream that he felt he wasn't a good teammate, uh, and that there were a lot of things wrong with the with the, how the Empire were playing and, and treating gameplay, and he seemed to take responsibility for some of that as well. So I think uh, you know that that's kind of just what happened as far as the story that stood out. I mean, it was definitely the Clayster story. I'm very appreciative that he was willing to open up on a on a difficult topic like mental health. I think he is you know one of maybe a handful of Call of Duty players that really has you know the the reach and and power to talk about those kinds of things and and get a positive reaction. I know uh, players are often you know, a little bit skittish to talk about those kinds of things because it's difficult to, you know, just put out there how you're feeling in your struggles. So um, it, it was nice to, to see James doing better and to, and to hear that he was, uh, you know, able to, to look past some of his some of his difficulties. And I hope that he's doing better now as well. No, for sure. I mean, that, that's something that is not talked about, not just in esports. It's not talked about often enough in, in traditional sports as well. You, right. you, you remember the Kevin Love story of him talking about his battles of yep. depression. It's just to see Clayster come out was pretty much that same level of kind of just breakthrough uh, realizations for a lot of people. Like this is something it's OK to talk about. It's OK to kind of put, bring this forth to to a lot of people and recognize that, you know, 
burnout is a thing. Mental health can take priorities. It's okay to kind of st- take a step back. And like I said, that Clay article was just magnificent. It was just perfectly written. And I'm sure James himself would, would, would agree with me wholeheartedly there as he has many times on Twitter. But, um, aside from that, you mentioned like that, that kind of losing Clayster in that offseason thanks to the game changing, right? It changed from a 5v5 to right. a 4v4 format. That's not just you lost a player. You lost an entire like other appendage, if you will. Yep. So did you feel like that kind of change really played against the Empire in this upcoming, in this past season? Excuse me. I mean, any team that loses Clayster, in my opinion, it's it's going to have to make drastic changes in, in some fashion. Um, you know, if you look at Atlanta Phase, that was technically an E-United team for the most part yeah. that, that won champs uh, before the Call of Duty League started. That was a team with Clayster. They lost Clayster, and all of a sudden, you know, they were still a really, really competitive team. Atlanta Phase was, was excellent, um, you know, all season long, but they didn't have that leadership value, right? And that's why they went out and got our cities, and, and that was a change. They lost leadership in Clayster, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and that's, you know a big deal. Clayster was also the uh, the lead comms guy. He was the in-game leader for a lot of things for the Empire, and lose that and, and you're also all of a sudden having to ask, you know, Shotzi to do a bit, a little bit more, Illy a little bit more, you know, Crim6 has to, has to take it up a notch, and everybody kind of contributing in their own ways, and sometimes it's nice to just know that you have that guy um, that can be uh, you know, a force in the comms and, and direct traffic when needed. And, um, you know, I think that it wasn't necessarily a 4v4 change because that's very standard in Call of Duty and even for, like, Halo for some of the, uh, you know, in for, like, Illy and Shotzi, some of those guys who who were successful on Halo as well, um, as well as Crim6 for that matter. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that going forward in Vanguard, the empire uh the they're just going to have to figure out exactly what they want from the very beginning of the season you know rambo talked about this a lot where they were just having to make changes and they never really got to be settled in as a full solid team for most of the year i mean it took four majors just for them to get you know their actual fourth player for the season so you know if they can avoid some of that they'll probably in much be in much better shape no for sure it's just uh vanguard is is a whole other thing that's going to come up into play soon enough and uh this, this offseason in general is just a big kind of like unknown question mark for a lot of the cdl teams you have rumors and 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 uh talks around the league from players and, and organizations personalities uh you know concerning paris legion team what's gonna happen with them uh the 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 potential kind of uh optic envy merger that has been ruminating for like the last month and a half it feels like so poorly I mean, kept secret it's, yes. a, it's a poorly kept secret but what can you say about that situation so far and what can you tell us about it like is, is there any developments is it pretty much just kind of like being you know the worst kept secret still or is it still just kind of being talked about contracts being worked out what's happening there I can tell you what you've seen on Reddit. That's right. kind of that's kind of <laughs> what I can say, and that's you know talks surfaced of of Envy kind of absor- absorbing the Optic brand for months now. You know that 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 was at the very very beginning of the off season. The Empire dropped Crim Six and Vivid 
real quick and made them restricted free agents and uh, we're still waiting to see exactly where those two will go um but you know you can just look at other details right the chicago spot is looking to sell and it's going to and and rumors are that it's going to washington yeah uh, there's even you know washington name rumors that um i just <laughs> You ought to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like the Thundercats or something I like that. I saw Thundercats. But, I saw Warriors. Is like three different yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. You, you got it exactly. I mean, they they there's a there's a screenshot of what looks like Shotzi at the Optic Center uh, uh, over in Frisco. So I mean, it, it just connecting the dots. It's not really hard um, to to see that, but you know, we don't have confirmation right yeah. now so it you know you you can't nothing uh i i've learned from you know a lot of professionals in this business that you know there are no promises nothing is ever a certainty um but connecting the dots you know the stars seem to align no for sure i mean uh to quote one other uh big time sports journalist it's just what is true today is not always true tomorrow and so right. when it comes to potential mergers between esports organizations and, and where players are landing you don't know until like the official like either source comes out and says it or the team itself announces it so uh, from a narrative standpoint right where do you stand on seeing probably the two biggest one of the two biggest names in call of duty merging with another is that kind of like is that weird to see should i should i feel afraid because i feel afraid seeing two big names like the red Sox and the yankees just combined names and i'm just i'm not okay with that sean should i be okay with it you know i i i think it's almost more comparable to i, I mean it's, it's hard to say because envy is more than just Call of Duty. And I know that Optic is as well. It's got its brand, it's got its content creators and all of that, but the Optic brand struggled a little bit, just not necessarily in like YouTube views or, or in personality or in, or in fanfare because they just absolutely you know, nail it and blow it out of the water in those regards. That's not saying that Optic is unsuccessful because that would be false, but Envy has a bunch of teams that they run and that they show success with, uh, both winning in that platform. Um, you know, people, players have good things to say about how they're treated at Envy. Even, you know, past Dallas Fuel players have praised how, how they were, you know, treated at Envy regardless at of, of results. And, um, you know, I, I think that this is more of... It, it almost feels a little bit more like it would be a collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. Something that I think Envy could stand to improve at, just just in my own opinion, is the kind of content and how well their content reaches the audience. You know, things like merch and that kind of stuff. It, the Envy is great at being a professional esports organization and competing for championships. That's what they brand themselves as. Um, but Optic could probably fill in some of the holes, you know, if that merger were to potentially go through, I think that, you know, you could see improved content product there. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could see also Optic, you know, being a little bit more stable, right? Because Optic was sold, and then Hector brought it back, and then, you know, it, so it's just, it's just been a whole thing there. And um, I think that this would provide some stability, and I think both organizations would have to gain and that doesn't mean that it wouldn't also be weird because this is el clasico right in call of duty it's the two biggest rivals in the it's the biggest rivalry in the history of call of duty right it's it's so it doesn't mean that it's not weird but also just makes it fascinating it does, man. I think if you ever saw something like that happen in traditional sports, I don't I can't be like the Red Sox and the Yankees, yeah. Lakers and the Celtics. It yeah, it's 
it's wow. up there. I mean, I, I can't think if I know back in the in the heyday of baseball that would often happen. You'd have New York teams combine to form the Giants, or the 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 the, the red so- the red stockings would combine to join with a Pittsburgh team. It was really weird. Or the Steagles back then. Oh my goodness, the Steagles. Yeah. That's that's an old old uh, old dig right there. But I mean, there you go. If there's one thing I know about this. Uh, this merger potential, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. that Envy, from a business and competitive standpoint, have a definitive advantage over Optic. While Hex, that man, while he can be a shady businessman, he he knows how to pump out content. And Optic mm-hmm. is just, for years, has somehow had that green wall st- standing tall. I don't know how they do it, but this is something, like you said, it, it's a potential for benefits on both sides. So I agree fully with you there. And it, it's it's insane to see that we're, we're talking about this and still nothing confirmed. As of now right exactly you know eventually something will have to be confirmed because it's vanguards coming and you want to have your team before for that so that they can start practicing competing in you know preseason tournaments and all that kind of fun jazz and i really doubt that uh you know either envy or optic would want to miss out on that kind of stuff i mean it just had it, it would have to happen soon it's just weird going down to Victory Plaza and seeing some kind of green that isn't the Dallas Stars. That is that is strange to me. But right. enough about Call of Duty. There was also another successful kind of Dallas team. Uh, we'll say kind of because third place is, is still a big success compared to what they did last year. The Dallas Fuel, they kind of faltered uh, in the, uh, the, the the playoffs here a little bit, the Overwatch League playoffs. But third place is still a heck of a lot better than their finished last it was like a 9 and 12 record something like that they, they were yeah. god awful at some point but it seems like the off season changes made by the fuel paid off huge dividends uh, down the stretch didn't it yeah, I think what the fuel really went for, outside of mechanical talent because their roster this past season obviously had, you know, significant mechanical talent and they were very good at the game. But they all liked being around each other, and they all liked being on the same team. They were all friends, and that's not something that you should ignore, especially in esports when rosters can change all the time. These guys like being around each other, and I'm told that they still like being around each other, you know, despite spending an entire season uh, around each other. And and we all know that Sparkle uh, is like a human battery, and he just seems to go 110% all the time. Um, But... You know, even even with some roster changes, you know, well, this offseason, we've seen that the fuel are at the very least better than majority of the Overwatch League talent, or, or at the least were last year. And I know that one of the things that Rush wants to change is to make sure that they continue to improve throughout the season and evolve. That's something that he really wants to see out of uh, the Dallas Fuel and especially the players. So they're kind of going for more younger players now. Fearless, I believe, is the oldest player on the Fuel at 23 years old, and I would not be shocked if that stay, if it stays that way. Um, they just signed Chio, 18-year-old support player, who yep. was recently in Contenders and, and won a Korean Contenders Championship with O2 Blast. They signed Edison today of the Atlanta Reign. That's a hitscan player who also has some flex capability over to like Tracer and Reaper and... Um, and Doomfist, and he's 19, and so, you know, the the Fuel have options, they have youthful options, and Rush likes to develop young players, and now he's still going to be able to do that uh, at this level, and you're right, you know, the third place was a lot better than any other Fuel season by a wide margin, 
um, but they're not going for third place. They were they were pretty heartbroken about that. You know, at the very least, they would have liked to have gotten second place and made it to that championship. The, I know from talking to Tasmo that they very much believed that they would have given uh, the Shanghai Dragons a better championship match than the Atlanta Reign. Um, but, you know, Atlanta took care of Dallas pretty easily in that semifinal. Um, but that that just goes to show that third place is not enough for Envy or the Fuel. They don't feel that way. And regardless of whether it was a fun season for Fuel followers, um, they are striving for more. I mean, I would be too. Third place is kind of, uh, it, gets you, it gets you hungry for more. And if I know Tasmo... It, burn, it burns in a way, yeah. If I know Tasmo, that, that's, that's, that's eating him up inside. He wants to, to make uh, more changes than just Edison. He wants to, to, to make this a championship squad that uh, he's been, you know, he's been dying for, for years at this point. So he's he's on the cusp of it right now, and I, can, I can't wait to see the success he, he has uh, coming through. So uh, we covered your favorite stories from the CDL. What were some of the favorite stories you had from the Overwatch League? Which is, you know, there's there was a there was quite a few uh, amidst the Activision Blizzard nonsense, of course, for both leagues. But uh, what was kind of something that you that stood out to you really covering this season? In journalism, it's important to hold you know businesses and you know in this case like players or coaches or anything like that accountable when 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 disappointing things are happening in any industry and that's just a part of the job you, you can't be biased um and, and i've sometimes while well, people ask me if i'm rooting for the fuel or something like that and the answer is no um while i like a lot of the fuel guys and i it, i appreciate working with them and i think we have a healthy working relationship uh, it's important to to stay unbiased and um when it, when it comes to, to favorite stories uh, I, i'd say for favorites it probably is some of the more fun stories there was a there was one on on Sparkle and kind of his his personality and what he brings to the Dallas Fuel and uh, you know why they like him so much and you know Helen um, Deer as other people may know her as she's the assistant GM and uh, and she interprets uh, Korean to English and and so forth for me and others uh, she she had some pretty good quotes about how Sparkle would like go to Six Flags and he would vomit after every single roller coaster yep. ride and hop right back on and you know those kinds of tiny moments where you get to know a little bit more about people and and their personality are, are pretty fun to go through and i i enjoy and appreciate those kinds of stories um so i think that that's probably one that stood out another one that was fun was actually covering the fuel at their you know little mini homestand yep. where they played houston outlaws and um the the fuel had a had a pretty good match and it was just fun to be in that atmosphere um it's also fun to talk to some of the fuel followers who had you know waited over a year to get to see that team again and um so i'd say that those were were some of my favorite stories from the overwatch season i also got to uh talk with super a little bit about anticipating overwatch 2 and uh as well as some fuel guys and you know it's always good to know what those guys are thinking um going ahead into you know big changes so i think that those were some of my favorites no and, and speaking of overwatch 2 which we'll get into here um a lot of changes for 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 this kind of coming up it was the same kind of thing from call of duty where you kind of chopped off one team and you, you you're changing the format of the game coming up so it's from 66 to 5v5 and so I, i've already got to see a few, a few of the exhibitions i'm sure you probably got caught uh, a few of them as well um yep. what from your perspective is it is this change gonna be like probably the biggest hardest change for a lot of teams to to get over is that that one teammate down this per perspective uh i think it, it'll make it weird just in terms of how much gameplay changes i don't i also am of the opinion that i don't think it's going to change as much as people think mm. um 
while you know there there is going to be it, it may end up looking and feeling a little bit more deathmatchy, uh, and I don't want to go too heavily into that or even co- remotely compare it to Call of Duty because the abilities and the maps and and whatnot make it so that this is very different from Call of Duty. But uh, aside from that, uh, Moth brought up a really good point about how much this is maybe make the game more fun and more watchable. Is that there's going to be less shields on the map, uh, and that's you know. Pros felt like a lot of the game was just them shooting at shields. Uh, I know that uh, Sparkle said Hanbin felt like he had a little bit more freedom on the map to to do things, um, regardless of whether he was playing like Wrecking Ball or Diva or something like that. And you know, now Sparkle felt that his own mechanical skill, you know, if he has a mechanical advantage over his counterpart, that it's going to matter more. And I know that the Fuel feel like they have some of the me- best mechanics in the league, so they they like that idea. Um, this may make for faster team fights, more team fights. Uh, the map being utilized in different ways. We're probably going to see different kinds of collaborations with heroes, and you know, I think we should also expect you know four or five new heroes, at least one in every role. So that's a lot of changes that are going to happen. So I think that the nice thing is each of the teams will be dealing with this uh, in their own way, and uh, it, it seems like teams like the Fuel or Shanghai. Or, um, are, are setting themselves up to just be really mechanically talented so that they can just adjust to whatever, you know, meta or gameplay styles end up being solid. For sure. So uh, Overwatch 2 will be a great opportunity for a lot of teams to kind of step up and it'll be a, a good little kind of soft reset, if you will, of the talent at the, at the professional level, hopefully. And we'll see a bunch of new things happening. Hopefully the fuel will remain on top where they or, or improve where they ended up this past season. And we can see a lot of changes come through, like you said. More heroes, more action. I'm all about it. You know, I'm, I'm coming from League of Legends where there's like 157 different he- uh, champions and every right. one of them get played at some point throughout the, the world's uh, uh, competition. I think all but 20 of them have been played so far, which is insane to me. It's an insane kind of uh, uh, champion retentiveness uh, uh, statistic, if you will. So a lot of people are That's wild. Isn't that crazy? And last year, I think it was like 10 champions, all but 10 weren't played, which is mm-hmm. 150. And you, I mean, Overwatch has like, what, 30, 25, something like that? Uh, a number and around there. And it feels like maybe 15 of them get played. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, there's a definite disparity there. And I hope with these changes, we get to see more kind of diversity with these team comps, if you will. So that's, that's my hope. I, I know a lot of you have different you know, opinions and hopes of what will come up soon. But the biggest thing for me is that I don't want to see the same goats meta pop up once again. I don't want to see something similar to that pop up in a brand new game. This is a sequel improve approve upon the, uh, the last game and we can, we can start from there, but North Texas as a whole, let's talk about the, the bigger picture, Sean, because you know me, I'm all about the big picture. You write the, the nitty gritty detailed articles on the day in the life of certain players. I focus on big pictures, which is kind of, uh, I guess small brain for me, right? North Texas as a, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Fair enough. But North Texas as a whole, we saw a boatload of money coming in, being invested in the, in the area, locally housed esports organizations like we got Envy, Complexity, like you mentioned, the Optic House of, uh, up in Frisco. That in turn kind of helped schools, colleges, universities also garner more attention and for their esports programs. I think the rough estimation right now that I've researched Roughly 75 to 85 million dollars has been invested in our neck of the woods just this past year. So I, I got to ask you, what what is it about esports in Dallas that is so attractive for you? 
Well, it's kind of like what you said earlier about, you know, all ships rising. Um, Envy and Complexity are here. Complexity makes that big Tim the Tatman signing. Uh, so you can see that they're looking for some growth there. Obviously, Envy is winning some championships, and they continue to grow. And they had, I believe it was another $40 million investment uh, phase that just this year. And, uh, uh, you know, that's in, that includes Post Malone getting involved yep. in 2020. Um, so... When you see those kinds of things, more people are going to want to do it. Kids are going to start asking questions. You know, they're going to start streaming earlier and younger. And, you know, it becomes a thing that you just can't ignore. Um, you know, people want jobs in esports, whether they're a pro gamer or not, because it's a fun industry. It, you, you, feel, you feel like it maintains your youth uh, in, in a certain fashion. And if high schools and middle schools and colleges are, are all involved... It, that that's gonna that's gonna make it a boon for just for the entire area. I would say that North Texas is as much of an esports hub as anywhere else in the country, aside from you know pairing it with you know Los Angeles. And I'm not sure that any other areas uh, come close to those two. Um, and that comes as somebody who's from Kansas City, and they have you know they they have an esports org in Pioneers, and that actually makes me quite happy. And I I like to see that. It's cool to see, but. Um, you know, when it comes to money being chucked in, esports is expensive. And I yeah. would almost compare it to, like, baseball, where, you know, as someone who played baseball uh, all the way up until, like, through the eighth grade, you got to pay $100 for a bat, you got to pay 60 bucks for a glove, you got to pay, you know, 90 bucks for the cleats, mm -hmm. and, you know, you got to have your bag, and you got to have, you know, all these other things that... In and just then, you know, you spent hundreds of dollars just to be able to play. That doesn't even make you good or, or even put you on a team or, you know, spend, that, that's just the, the bare minimum to be able to play. Um, and esports almost has more than that and that, you know, the equipment can be expensive. But I know that just from talking to some high school uh, coaches and sponsors, which I'll be writing a little bit more about high schools during this offseason, is that you also have to have internet and they have to have a place to play. Yeah. Those those two things are absolute necessities with esports. Otherwise it kinda it kinda gets fishy or it gets weird and you're you're not consistent with gameplay. So money has to be chucked in. Um, and so I think as esports continues to grow, I think eventually school districts will have to look into it and, and be like, okay, we have a lot of kids that want to get involved. This is a good way for them to be involved and, and show school spirit or whatnot we're going to have to start putting some money into this so that they can accomplish those things, especially in Texas, when yeah. there are a lot of schools and school districts that are capable of providing that. For sure. And and, and honestly, I think it's bigger or, or a higher barrier of entry than baseball, because I think it's more yes. equivalent to maybe like hockey, because hockey, you know, the skates, the padding, the sticks, the, the pucks of uh, the, the, the arenas, the, the practice areas you guys have to that kind doesn't of even make you good. No, that's just the, that's just the play. This is just to get in to get in yeah. the door, get you playing, get you on the field, if you will. But for this, I, I kind of have a little bit of hope because I've seen a lot more of these arenas, uh, gaming cafes, if you will, kind of pop up in the area thanks to kind of the COVID restrictions kind of coming down a little bit, which is, you know, mm -hmm. jury's out to whether that's a good thing or not so far. But the the fact is that these are opening up now. I know we just saw the opening of a Belong Gaming Arena in Grapevine. We just saw the opening of Exposure down in, in, in uh, South Dallas. We saw yep. that whole kind of uh, these these more 
uh, I guess, grassroots operations kind of popping up now, thanks to these more private and then also public uh, entities, if you will, schools, as well as these these private businesses kind of coming up to kind of lower that barrier of entry a little bit, you know, because it's easy to say, like, I'll pay five or six bucks right now, get an hour, two hours, three hours of game time in at this at this specific place. And that'll help out kind of increase not just the interest in esports, but also the talent level from a local perspective in esports as well. Yep, absolutely. I, I think you nailed it there. It's uh, it's kind of like it's going to take a village to get all of this done. And, um, you know, I, I know that Envy is quite proud of their, uh, you know, working along with, with Belong Gaming because having PC cafes is not normal here in the United States mm-hmm. like it is in South Korea, where you could just go play with a group of your friends after school. And that was a normal th- and that's a normal thing to do over in South Korea. I've talked to like Rush and uh, about that, how, you know, he could get together and go play Starcraft at a, at a PC cafe and it's not a big deal. But like here, you, you got to really search for it and, and Envy and Belong Gamer are trying to make it a little bit easier. For sure. And we'll see this come up more and more. It'll become a trend at some point within the next decade. And I've before on the show 2020 the the decade that will probably submit esports either if, if it's coming if it's going or, or where, what will happen with it but for now uh you know we're not just becoming you know dallas is not just the only hub we're also seeing bigger or sorry so smaller kind of population centers also become hubs right we saw okay. some news like nashville minneapolis atlanta kind of really investing in esports uh, uh, properties, if you will, and many others. I mean, do you think that this is kind of leading the way for investors, for startups to look at these smaller city centers like Kansas City? I know they're also kind of hopping on the esports train as well. Uh, They're they're hopping on with these investors. Is this kind of a, a, a way for these business people to look at these areas and be like, there's potential for growth here. If I can get an esports, uh, either a, a arena set up here or a team built here, I can have a built in uh, audience, if you will, built in kind of uh, ad revenue stream from this local area that I'm setting up a uh, shop in. Right. Yeah. Everyone wants. Everyone wants to. Wants to bat. Everybody wants to get the chance to swing, and that's kind of what you're looking at here. You see the successes and the growth of esports in other areas. You know, Tim the Tatman signing with Complexity is a big deal. Uh, you know, Post Malone becoming an investor uh, in Envy is a big deal. You see what it's capable of, and while you may know or, or think that it may be five ten years down the road before your your chicago base is able to do that or your nashville or your kansas city base is able to do that um you want to strive for it um because you see just how big esports is doing i think this is kind of the thing that i bring up often is esports really it, i mean it would be shocking to me if if the growth just like plateaued starting next year i mean mm-hmm. that, that would it I, I just don't see any way where that's happening because you know, a lot of people who grew up playing video games and are interested in esports, I'm guessing, are probably in that age between maybe 20 to, you know, at most like 35. That that that's like my guess. So, and the rest are like kind of outliers. Um, but as those start guys and and girls start to get married, have children, their kids will be envy fans or optic fans, as opposed to you know also being 
Cowboys fans. Like it, it that becomes family tradition to root for the Dallas Fuel. Uh, that that kind of thing. And as that grows, you know, that means there's going to be more esports fans, and that's going to you know mean more across the country. And you're going to want your team to be a staple, whether it's in Minneapolis or Nashville or, or Kansas City, and you want to be able to give people that are living in your area and interested in esports something that they can root for, and you want to keep it in that hometown. For sure, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, if a pandemic couldn't definitively plateau esports growth, I don't think the next few years will either. So, right. I will just say this: it was insane to watch. I think it was uh, the Cowboys' Week Three win to see Tim the Tatman roll up to AT and T Stadium and play uh, a game of Warzone with Zeke on his side. What kind of, of utopia are we living in? This is the. It was the weirdest thing. I, I woke up to that news. I was like, this is bizarre that he like Zeke just pops up the running back. For the Dallas Cowboys, just like you know what happened, I'm playing with Tim the Tatman. Insane who's, to me. Who's the bigger deal? Hard to know. It's honestly, it really is hard to know. You, you could make an argument that Tim the Tatman is obviously a, a bigger big, person. He has yeah, forty five thousand people watching on YouTube right now as of this recording. I mean, but still, like Zeke Elliott getting paid millions of dollars versus Tim the Tatman. It's an insane dichotomy that I don't think any of us ever expected two, three, four years ago. You know. It's really fun to see that kind of thing happen. Uh, I mean, it, it, you, you just it's hard to not smile and see, you know, a 30-something-year-old a bald father, as he likes to call himself, <laughs> playing Warzone, playing Call of Duty, you know, on, on the big screen at Jerry World. It's crazy. I mean, I, it, it's so fun to watch and to see those kinds of collaborations, and I highly doubt this will be the last one. No, for sure. Just like this collaboration of ours will not be the last one in the near future, at least. So, Sean, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, giving us your thoughts in the past year uh, that you've had, the second year, I guess, uh, at work for the Dallas Morning News officially. Uh, 2022, looking like it's going to be your 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 sweet time, your, your, your sweet spot, if you will, to kind of get a, a good feel for the actual events and esports going to them besides just the COD Champs. I know next year, Envy has certain plans coming up for events, as does Complexity, as does Optic. I'm sure they have something in the, in the, in the works as well, but not just that. A bunch of things across the, the Metroplex area for Texas is really about to pop off, and you're at the forefront of it. So, Wish you best of luck moving forward, and I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show. I appreciate you having me on again. I look forward to next time. So make sure you follow him at Sean Z Collins on Twitter. Uh, go check him out DallasNews.com. You can check him out in the esports section of things as well as check out his YouTube channel where he's throwing out some new talking head videos discussing the latest articles he's written, some breaking news that are, that's coming out. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff going out there. We'll link the YouTube channel and all that below. But Sean, again, you're awesome. Good luck and uh, have fun covering these events. Well, I appreciate it once again. He's Sean Collins. Esports reporter extraordinaire for the Dallas Morning News. And I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network Podcast.